Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter. Kaylee, this week we both talked with Jonah Peretti, CEO of BuzzFeed, and Rich Antiello, CEO of Complex Networks, about BuzzFeed buying Complex Networks and BuzzFeed filing for a SPAC IPO or planning to go public via special purpose acquisition company. Um, we covered a lot of ground in this conversation because we talked to them, you know, just a few hours after they made the big announcement. Uh, what was the biggest thing you took away or what would what did you find really interesting about what they had to say? Yeah, I mean, I think we had to cover a lot of ground because these two companies have a lot of diversification in their revenue, right? So they have, you know, obviously a very strong advertising business, but they have Commerce is a big portion of that too. Um, you know, Complex Networks has Complex Con, Complex Land, which is their virtual iteration of that shopping festival. And um, it's then complementary to that, you know, BuzzFeed has a big like licensing kind of business and affiliate is a really strong area for them. And I think what I was most eager to learn about is how they're looking at not combining, but like pairing those two businesses together to kind of round out the commerce space. So um, we get into numbers a little bit, but they're projecting that almost a quarter of the revenue next year will come from commerce as a joint company. And I just think that's, you know, something that is important to keep an eye on because I feel like they're going to move into more of the potentially like merchandising side of things. I think there's a big opportunity here to kind of cross over the brands a little bit. Um and I just thought it was interesting when they were talking about the uh, tasty and, and first we feast food brands kind of working together in that way. I think that could be a cool thing to kind of follow along. So that's what stood out to me. But um, what was the most interesting part of the conversation to you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the hot sauce recipes that will come out of mm-hmm. this deal. Um, I was really interested in, like you were saying, the overlap and the complementary nature between the businesses. because. They are complementary in a lot of ways, but at the same time, there are a lot of things where they're so complementary that it's like, well, do you need both of these things? Or how are these two things that are very similar going to work together? So like one thing that's interesting to me is they both have studio businesses. They make videos for digital and social platforms in their own properties, but they also are making shows that they sell to TV networks and to streaming services. And so do you need to have two separate studios or would it make sense to combine the studios? And um, and then also just with that, like what kind of strength do you get um, from having two studios or do you get more strength from having just a single studio? And so it was really interesting to hear them talk about, you know, BuzzFeed on the digital and social video side of things and then Complex on the TV and streaming production side of things. And it seems like they made a fair enough case on how the two can work together. Um, so again, really just, I think Rich at one point talked about recipe videos um, related, you know, from Tasty related to Hot Ones. And so that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. That said, we'll get into the interview and let uh, Jonah and Rich explain, you know, why they're excited about it too. Uh, Jonah and Rich, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Jonah, we did chat uh, about what is it like eight months ago now, November 2020. The last conversation was about a merger with HuffPost. Um, so we're picking up kind of that conversation a little bit and uh, reprising the M and A trend a little bit here. Uh, but 
In that conversation, there was a big focus around audience diversification. And one of the big drivers for that acquisition was really trying to build out um, a nice audience base. I'm imagining that's probably a a big driving factor in this merger with Complex as well. Um, But to kick it off, it'd be great to kind of hear from both of you about why you think um, Complex is a good like complementary portfolio of brands to BuzzFeed and then vice versa, why BuzzFeed stood out as a as the right place for Complex Networks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, mean, definitely Complex has a really strong community around um, you know, topics like fashion and feet, uh, sneakers, m- music, uh, culture, uh, a very diverse audience. They have a, a, um, a more male skewed audience than that really complements BuzzFeed's, um, audience, which is, um, skew, skews more, uh, female. Um, and they've built this really tremendous business, uh, and, and have been really innovative. And, and that's one of the things that is, you know, most exciting is it, I've watched Complex for years and they are continually innovating and changing. They went from print to digital. They went from text and images to video. They've built things like ComplexCon um, and they've they've just had tremendous leadership in the industry. Uh, um, and, and so, and, and then their audience is obsessed with what they do and there's a level of loyalty and obsession and excitement that is just, you know, something you don't find with mo- many media companies in our space. I'm, I'm going to cut Jonah a check later for that, by the way. That was amazing. <laughs> he does it as well, if not better than 90% of the people that have worked here. Um, the, you know, I, 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 I think that that is a great way for us to look at it. But when we were looking at potential partners, because um, in this day and age, and, you know, Tim, we talked about this a long time ago about how difficult it is being an independent publisher um, and I think it's only gotten more and more difficult in the pandemic, um, heightened that as you saw, you know, we, we, we continue to run a very effective business as did, as did Buzzfeed. But the more I spoke to Jonah and the more our management teams got together and the more we looked at each other's businesses and the level of diversification of both businesses, but how complementary we are, um, I've said this out. I've said it to Jonah and I, Tim, I, I think I've even said this to you in the past, the best partnerships and the best, um, the best partnerships in general are when you have the same exact thought process, but completely non-accretive skill sets, right? And you're coming at things in, in a very different way. Um, BuzzFeed is a very brand forward, brand portfolio type of play as we are. Um, we have focused on long-form content, licensing, syndication, e-commerce, and advertising. So have they. But even within each of those revenue line items, um, the the complementary nature of strengths and weaknesses just, just form together very nicely. Our strength in longer-form content, their strength in shorter-form content. Our strength in uh, their incredible e-commerce engine that has both affiliate as well as premium merchandise – are very IP and premium merchandise type of e-commerce on that side. Um, there's no matter which silo you want to look at or which revenue stream, the complementary nature of how good they are at what they do and how good we are and how we could potentially help each other just made for such am- the amount of organic revenue growth and EBITDA contribution that could come from that was just unparalleled when you looked at anybody else out there. And the fact that they wanted to go for it, I mean, I'll say this as a little bit of a fanboy, and I'm, 
you know, I'm not a big fanboy of any anything, but um, you know, Jonah to say that he is an ambitious person and um wants to go for it and go for it in the biggest way possible. Um, and this is just the the 2.0, well, probably the 3.0 version of it for you, Jonah. Um, putting this together and this level of recontextualization of the right brand portfolio and capitalization that will be unparalleled in the industry is just something that was so attractive. I can't say enough. So that would be our our perspective on it. And with that, like, I'm curious about how the companies are coming together in terms of what the org structure is going to be here. Like, Rich, I saw, I think your title is going to be founding advisor. Christian Basler is going to be CEO of Complex Networks. And, and Jonah, it feels like with this and HuffPost and what you have with, obviously, BuzzFeed and Tasty and BuzzFeed News, that there's something of a hub and spoke model emerging. But what's the corporate structure at BuzzFeed now in light of this? Like, is Complex going to be a completely separate division or is it going to be merged in with any of the existing brands? Yeah, so, uh, you know, to me, the the most important thing is having editorial independence for, for brands that become part of part of BuzzFeed Inc., uh, it, it's just the audience feels that when people are authentic, when when the content creators are, are speaking in, in an authentic voice and their own voice and um, making content that fits the the brand, it's it's just it's just you can tell. Um, and companies that you know merge everything together and you know have you know some you know chief content officer who makes every piece of content the same. I mean, it just doesn't work. Um, you need. You need editorial independence, and that flows through even to the to the business and to the partnerships you do and brand licensing deals and uh, native advertising and branded content. Um, so, so, so that's that's the first thing. We just look for strong brands, strong content, strong audience connection and community, and keep make that sacred and make sure that that has has the independence it needs. Um, then you, then, you know, we'll have opportunities to, you know, in other, in other areas, um, you know, should we share some of the tech stack and, you know, with HuffPost, it was really clear that we could move them onto our ad tech and affiliate platform, um, because that was very, you know, what they were doing was very similar to, in, in some ways to, uh, BuzzFeed news and that it was, you know, from a business side, which is, um, you know, um, high scale popular news you know for for you know millennial gen z audiences you know so um it was it was clear that we should extend the that that part of our platform um i think complex there's a bunch of things that that they do that is that you know really all 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 i we can hope for is that buzzfeed could maybe help promote or just you know add some additional you know distribution or things like that but um, and then there's other other areas where maybe there's more collaboration, um, but but we we're really seeing you know complex you know the reason complex will have a you know a CEO and is that we're seeing it as a as a as a really great business and franchise that needs to have its its independence um, and and BuzzFeed should you know will do whatever it can to to help them grow and reach their ambitions. So is Christian going to be reporting to you, Jonah? So the deal isn't closed for 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 a while. So I I wouldn't want to you know share share you know for the sake of employees and th- and things like that. I don't want to share all of the reporting structures and things like that until until we you know t- talk to our own people about about how all of it's going to work. So and for me, I'm excited because in this role going forward, I can have maximum impact with Jonah and the entire team, all all the brands with as little stress as possible as a, in a person ever. I am rather excited about that. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be you know tremendously fun to work with Rich on on cool creative projects and and you know partnerships, initiatives, shows, you know all all you know business challenges and having that for me and also for the whole complex team knowing that that knowing that he's available to them to to help with with these things and to help us when we're at inflection points where there's a lot of value that can be added. And um, I'm not going to say I'm jealous that that you uh, that you get to do it's all okay. the you can say that you it's get fine. to do all the fun stuff and and not uh, have all the uh, all the operational um, you know responsibilities. But I, I think um, it's it's going to be a very productive partnership. When did this partnership first kind of kick off? Like, was this a conversation happening over Zoom? Because I feel like a lot of these uh, merger talks usually would happen at Can or maybe even Davos. Um, how did this conversation get going? It was actually in a townhouse. No, I'm just kidding. That was a very bad joke. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> let. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Jonah. I'm gonna let Jonah answer that. Yeah, we've been talking for a while. I mean, I, I know we both have admired each other's businesses for from 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 a distance over the over the years, and um, you know, before the pandemic, you know, two over two years ago, I think now, um, we had a you know a nice breakfast in New York where we were we were realizing. Wait, you you're good at, at this piece. We're good at that piece. We you have this audience. We have that audience. We could make these things, um, you know, t- you know, together there would be more operating leverage. More, you know, really we'd be in a position to be the un, um, you know, just a must buy for any marketer who wants to reach youth uh, media across all major demographics and um, all major formats. So we we had this conversation where it was just clear that that the pieces really fit together well. Um and so we, you know, but Complex was not for sale and it wasn't it wasn't an easy thing to pull off with, you know, Hearst and Verizon owning Complex and 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 at the time BuzzFeed didn't have, you know, a a a, a public stock and you know as a currency and 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 of course we were very focused on on profitability and managing our cash and and so, you know, becoming profitable Doing a SPAC transaction, um, being able to to you know enabled us to do this transaction. So that's why the the news today is so exciting for us because our goals that we had all along have just been accelerated by this by this SPAC transaction. We're public faster. We can acquire complex. We have more cash on the balance sheet. We have a stronger group of of, of advisors and supporters with the 890 team um, and with Rich helping across the rest of our uh, brands. And, and businesses. So it's, it's been a, it's been a, a lot of, a lot of work to get here. And it's, you know, really exciting that we can share all the stuff we've been up to now. Um, finally, um, with this is the first time I'm seeing Jonas since our breakfast, every other time has been a call or a zoom. Um, and I'll say the only thing I'll add is the color to this, um, is, you know, usually when you start having conversations like this and n- not many of these CEOs are going to be honest about it, but the the first conversation is more exciting. The second and third, as you start peeling the onion, gets uglier and uglier. The exact opposite was happening with us. We would bring more and more of our team into having these conversations and evaluate, and they would see the natural complementary nature, and, and it just became very obvious of how it was going to work. And then Jonah and I would end up having calls. You know, I there's plenty. Of, I can remember all those calls where we would just hype each other up. Like, oh my God, if we could do this and we could do that. And, you know, uh, you know normally that's it, it, not a detail you would normally share, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, what you don't, 
I'm going to say it this way, is you don't very often get to work with somebody who is so smart and looks at things so originally and is so open to also uh, feedback and taking other right and taking ideas and input and making it so much better. And it was just, it was really easy. And it was just, there was a ton of respect across the all, both executive teams. And it was, it was really, uh, I mean, the, the tactics might've been very complicated because of all the moving parts, but all the, the tough things normally were the easy parts. Speaking of the complimentary nature and, and Kaylee knows you know, the commerce side of things way better. Um, than I do. But I'm curious on the entertainment side, like Rich, obviously at Compex, you all have the studio, you've done a lot over the past year and like building up the IP there, shifting to remote production, everything. Jonah, BuzzFeed, you all have the studios too, but it seems like there's similar setups, but they're also a bit different. Like BuzzFeed, I feel like the sense has been, it's been more about IP licensing um, and less about like being super hands-on on the production side, whereas complex, I get the sense that you all have been more hands-on on the production side. How are you all looking at the this from the studio and entertainment side of things? Because that's where it seems like every media company is going. This is like, yes, commerce is a big part of media. Traditional you know, publishing is still a big part, experiential, but then there's all that TV money. Yeah, I mean, I think we're super excited to learn from each other. Um, with, with our respective studios. I mean, BuzzFeed has tended to be, um, you know, more of a data-driven company. We have, we, we, we really try to combine data and creativity where, where, you know, we're, we're making content, um, oftentimes, you know, short form content that where we can iterate really quickly. We make hundreds of pieces of content a day and, and then learn from the audience and connect with the audience based on what are they sharing? What are they commenting on? I, I would say it's, um, doesn't mean that we don't value creativity. It's just more like a live concert where you're riffing with the audience and the feedback of the audience is sort of um, influencing what you make. It's a little, maybe a little less, um, a little less produced and a little, and a little faster turn. Um, and Complex has been, done a really tremendous job building brands and IP and maybe making more of the studio album. Um, I'm just making this up on the fly, so you know, Rich can tell me whether he, he agrees with that. Where where you're you're really building uh, IP that has value, not just um, on YouTube or Facebook or or one of the big digital platforms, but on a Netflix or on television, or 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 can be repackaged in and re. Um, distributed to multiple windows because it, it's more um, IP driven, uh, and so I think there's a lot we can learn from each other on on this. And and you know we also have shared production facilities. Our studios in LA um, uh, can accommodate you know more production from the complex team. So in some cases, and by the way, vice versa for us, right? I mean, we have the studios and editing bays in New York, so. I mean, th- by the way, that's just it's it just happens to work out that way over and over and over again, how so many of these things are very complementary by nature, um, you know, but I, I couldn't agree. I actually think that that's a very um, intricate way and a very honest way of explaining the differences between the way we view IP. Um, the good thing is, is that that industry is still so nascent um, and I don't think it's an either or. I think it's an all of the above. I think if you are not um, uh, in control of being able to develop all forms of IP, short form, long form, more iterative, um, social friendly, all the way to studio friendly, 
I don't think you're going to have a long-term healthy viability to scale as you continue. Um, but even more so, I want to take a step back, and I'm not trying to take shots at anybody, but just because a whole bunch of people have decided that they're going to build out IP doesn't mean they're going to be able to. These are two companies that have shown a serious proficiency and ability to do both of that, both of all each of those effectively, whereas a lot of other people are just still in the nascency of trying to develop it. And the likelihood of being able to do it effectively is very low. And so what's the combined strength here then? And like, you, as you mentioned, been able to do it effectively separately. Is the idea continue to do it effectively separately? Or are there ways in which this tie-up helps to pitch a Netflix or a Disney on something differently or to build up stuff for TikTok or YouTube or Snapchat? Well, I, Jonah, do you mind if I jump in? The um, I, I think... The way we think about it, and I think you've heard me say this before, Tim, the goal when we went into video hard into fifth, in 15 and 16 um, was to build an untethered library of, the, of individual serialized brands to be able to monetize effectively so we didn't have to push them all back to a cable, one single cable channel or anything like that. Untethered and control that IP multiple windows in multiple regions to maximize like that, and then be in control of that IP no matter where you go. Um, my viewpoint would be what we're going to be able to do now is create a much larger library of millennial and Gen Z-oriented content across all targets, all micro-communities, all brands, and all topics that will be as untethered or infinitely more untethered than anybody else out to be able to be optimized across all platforms as they continue to fragment and segment. That would be the way I would think about it. So potential BuzzFeed Plus or BuzzFeed Complex Plus. Right. There, there's, there's also on the marketing and advertising side, you can reach all of those demographics on all the different platforms at scale. Um, and you can make branded content that speaks to all of these, these different audiences and all these different platforms, which is, you know, um, important. I, I, I think when you look... Um, on the business side, it's nice to have uh, you know unified sales channel and things like that that allows a, a partner to to work across all these amazing brands and properties and platforms. Um, when you look on the creative side and the editorial side, it's great to have more decentralization, independence, and, and voice. And so, um, I think there's um, um, it's not that it's not that uh, uh, we're being contradictory about, you know, how much do we combine or not combine or what, what, what are the complementary skills? It's that, you know, you want certain things to be more central, centralized and unified, and you want other things to be very distributed and independent. Um, and building out that operating model is a, is a really big opportunity. And we're in a, you know, really great position um, as a leader in the space to do that. So you just said the kind of editorial independence and, and, despite there being complementary kind of maybe verticals, I'm thinking of um, First We Feast and Tasty, for instance. Those are two food-focused brands. But how are you thinking about that kind of um, compatibility there? Is there going to be any crossover for those brands? Are you looking to keep them, you know, very separate? Because you've spent a lot of time building up these franchises coming out of them. Tasty has a whole licensing line, plus like it's uh, video content. Obviously, First We Feast has Hot Ones, which is, you know, phenomenally huge. Um, how are you thinking about 
editorial in that kind of way? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I mean, food is a massive category, and and uh, First We Feast is is a strong culture brand. It's not just a food brand; um, it's a lifestyle and culture culture brand. Um, Tasty increasingly is has has become a way that people you know find new things they want to cook, and and actually now in the Tasty app you can transact and actually get the groceries delivered to your house. You know, there's a lot of of um, utility in the Tasty in the Tasty brand. Um, Tasty is also a very pop brand. It's a mass, you know, scale type type of brand. Um, and um, and first we first we we feast type is 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 a, a a brand more of emerging culture and the things that are coming next. And um, I'm I'm talking about your your brands, Rich. So you you know, um, oh, no, I, no. I'm learning. I'm still learning more about all of the brands. But as a consumer, I think that it would be a real disservice. I mean, I like like Tasty and and, and first we feast both, but as a consumer, I would be really bummed out if uh, if they merged together and had their voices diluted. You know, I like Tasty to be the way. You know, t- Tasty needs to pursue its uh, its path, um, and, and and the same with uh, First We Feast. Yeah, I don't think it. Uh, I I couldn't agree with everything you said more. With one additional layer to it, it doesn't mean you can't do very effective crossovers. Like when when First We Feast wants to do like recipe oriented things that are more service and utility, wow, we could really take advantage, have the guests go over, the hosts go over, have a lot of fun with it and vice versa, right? Um, You have to remember we have this little thing called Complex Land and then this slightly bigger thing called Complex Con. Um, And First We Feast is the um, food court and the food experience wow, that could be very interesting on an activation basis across the board to really bring Tasty to life within that in a very organic yet differentiated way. Um, again, I, you know, it's just kind of funny, but you start to see, even with that question, you're kind of proving our point of how even when there were commonality of a topic or a sector, there's such such differentiation and complementary nature of each of our individual brands. Also, um We'll we'll be able to to make things like consistent products where things can run across multiple brands and and reach different audiences and and that's the kind of stuff that if you do it well and you use technology you don't always have to do lots of coordination between different teams to to say run a video ad or a display or programmatic or um, you know so, or even some of the kind of commerce integrations. Um, and so there's opportunity to be, do more bespoke things and careful things that could only exist within one editorial group um, or, or one branded you know, group. But you all, there's also a lot of things that can be really scalable and made to be turnkey. I did want to get into Complex Con and Complex Land as well. Um, I think the commerce conversation is just a really big piece of this. Um, obviously, you know, the, those two um, shopping festival, event festivals have uh, a really strong impact on the commerce side of the business for complex networks. Um, BuzzFeed, though, is projecting to, I think, have 23% of its revenue coming from commerce next year, if I'm if I'm citing the um, investor's deck correctly. That said, there's there seems to be a lot of growth um, in commerce for both businesses. And I'm wondering, like, what your expectations are bringing those together, whether or not um, you're anticipating that, you know, piece of the revenue pie being significantly larger once this deal closes? Um, and maybe what are some of your thoughts on what commerce crossovers could potentially look like? 
Yeah, so numbers you're seeing will include uh, complex as well as as you know BuzzFeed and HuffPost and the the whole the whole company. Uh, and I think there's there there's a lot of interesting opportunities to collaborate. I mean, we haven't done as many co-branded um, products and collaborations. Um, we haven't done an event like ComplexCon, which I think is tremendous. You know, could Tasty do a, a a Tasty Food Festival, or could their their you know BuzzFeed Shopping do some kind of an event, or could we have elements of of other BuzzFeed brands selectively? you know, added to, to ComplexCon um, or, or could we just, you know, promote ComplexCon to our, our massive audience across all these different platforms to make it even bigger? You know, could we expand it to other international uh, locations? Because BuzzFeed has a international footprint and there's a lot of demand for, um, you know, sneakers and streetwear and music and culture and in, in, in other markets. So there's just a lot of possibilities. And what's going to be so fun over the next, you know, several months and years is going through um, all these opportunities and figuring out what what gets us most excited, what gets the teams most excited, where what's the right right way to, you know, not not force things on 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 teams, but to collaborate in ways that are you know accelerate the stuff that 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 the the teams at the different parts of the company are most excited about doing. I think in a shorter term basis, um, you know, there's such an opportunity, I know from our perspective, to learn from um, the affiliate side of the business that they have done such a tremendous job. And that's just that's just an application of best practice. Right. I think that that's something that we would look at on a shorter term basis and then if you really want to get like lost in some of the tactics just from a fun perspective, look, we have this little line of hot sauces and hot honey. Um, I'm, I'm dying to get those products in the hands of a lot of the talent at Tasty. Um, let's let's sell some more product. Let's let's make some recipes with our with our product and make some more money uh, and, and, re- and provide more value to the end consumer. You know, you like we're very good at talking to our consumer base. I don't know if there's a better media company talking to more people uh, on a constantly expanding basis than BuzzFeed. If you think about the way they spread content around and how they do it so effectively. And that is something that I know we are looking forward to learning more from them. Commerce, obviously, that's the big and growing part of the business, but advertising is still the biggest part of both companies revenue streams and you know will continue to be i think even 2024 it's still going to be the biggest segment especially if like a lot of the content revenue segment is you know branded content sponsored content and so on that front um, i'm curious about the tie up here because a lot of times the narrative is these media companies are coming together to contend with Google and Facebook for digital ad dollars. And I think there's even a slide in the investor presentation to that effect, talking about ad spend moving away from the mega platforms. But how much of this deal is also the traditional media companies like Disney and Fox coming together, Viacom, CBS, now Warner and Discovery into (laughs) Warner Brothers Discovery, which is still going to take some time for me to get used to. But how much of what's going on with traditional media, M&A, factored into this and, and what you're doing over at BuzzFeed in general on m a Jonah? Sure. So uh, I, I think the slide you're referring to, um, you know, the argument we were making there wasn't that people will stop spending on Facebook and Google. It's that if you talk to marketers, they, den- they tend to like to have a lot of marketing partners, have a diversified set of partners. 
And that diversified set of partners used to be TV, radio, print, and then Google and Facebook for the digital. And now as they become increasingly digital companies, and then most of their spending is digital, it is becoming, you know, Google, Facebook, Snap, Pinterest, BuzzFeed, uh, and and a you know a set of other other digital partners. So part of it is that linear television and print have you know been in, you know print for a long time now, and 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 more recently um, linear have been in in decline. Uh, and those advertising dollars have to flow somewhere. They can't just flow to Netflix because there's no ads on Netflix. They can't you know a lot of the time that people spend watching TV, there's now no ads, uh, and so a lot of that is is flowing to companies that can reach consumers, especially these hard to reach millennial and Gen Z consumers. Um, and we're really the best at that. And so that's why advertising, I think, is a great business. And the 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 it isn't to take share away from the the big tech platforms. It's to be part of the marketing mix with with these digital first, digitally native companies. Um, and we're well positioned to be, you know, one of the real key um, part of that mix. We don't we're not saying we're going to, you know, take all the advertising dollars. It's it's just we're going to, you know, we only need a a small amount to hit our plan and hit our goals uh, of the of the total pie. And as a company that has, you know, HuffPost, Tasty, Complex, um, you know, BuzzFeed, uh, and 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 the sort of reach and scale and brands and IP that we have, we're going to be able to get our share of the pie uh, as as things continue the inexorable shift to digital. But isn't there more pressure still coming from like Disney for those dollars? Like Disney announced with the upfront this year, 40% of the money they got was on the digital and streaming side of things. And every other of these traditional media companies is going harder at digital. They're doing reorgs and layoffs to pivot their companies into the digital space. So you're getting a lot more competition. Well, you're not necessarily getting much more competition on the advertising side. I mean, if you look at if you so. if you look at how much time you know American consumers spent watching TV, you know, over the last you know sixty decades, that that that's it's just it's just a massive amount of time, which was and, and a tolerance to you know thirty second ad after thirty second ad during commercial breaks, like that's just gone like even if you have even if you're talking o t t there's a much lighter ad load um and then a lot of the of the of the o t t doesn't have ads at all i mean there's no ads on 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 uh, Netflix and there's no ads on a lot of you know a lot of the you know other services or premium tiers of the, of, of those other services uh, and so um that's a that's a that's a big shift that a big sh- secular shift that favors us. Um, so so I would say um, that's one of the one of the trends in our favor. Um, and the the um, does that mean you're not planning to roll out a connected TV app anytime soon? I mean, we we see our our, our content. And I know Complex is the same. You know, being watched on televisions. Um, you know, it, the the differences between different ways of of watching is. There's, it's starting to starting to erode, you know. You know, especially for young young people, uh, you know, watching YouTube on a TV is doesn't feel that different than watching Netflix or you know or uh, you know um, one of the you know traditional media companies streaming services on on a TV. There's it, it, it's all just you know about whether the content's interesting to watch. I mean, th- let's not sleep also on uh, cookies. Being a problem going away, 
the op- the trend towards context um, and the power of these brands, there's going to be a difference, right? People will buy platforms for audience and scale. People will buy brands for impact and influence. And we have a pretty nice portfolio of brands out there with a ton of scale in a very focused way against millennials and Gen Zs across topics that tend to be very popular and probably, you know, disproportionately important from a premium CPM perspective around consumers. And I think when you really think about it that way, the impact, influence, first-party data, and the focus of this audience uh, and the ability to work with us and have one conversation across a great deal of different categories, but a very focused demographic is very attractive. And Rich, though, does that point get postponed a bit or that value get postponed like you you all obviously had some news today so i don't know if you caught the google news about postponing the cookie deadline to the end of 2023 but i don't know if that then changes the equation because both of you have been doing a lot on the programmatic and first party data side of things like everyone else or everyone other, other other responsible publishers in preparation for next year being the deadline now it's been extended and i don't know what impact you're expecting that to have on what you're doing on the advertising side i would say the main the main thing is companies where their whole model is retargeting and they don't have a brand and they do de- biz dev deals, you know, with millions of publishers to get on various sites and find little tricks to buy audience that, and then, you know, cookie bomb to, to try to steal attribution. You know, those kinds of companies worse taking dollars from quality publishers, uh, you know, Buzzfeed and others, um, through a technique that was pretty privacy invasive. And I think that whether the deadline is a year from now or five, you know, three years from now, those companies are not viable anymore. You know, companies that don't have a real brand, a real audience and a real, you know, consumer um, proposition. And so um, that's the that's the main impact. I mean, we you know, there, there's the tactical stuff of, of how do you adjust and how do you make sure you're programmatic or your advertising is more contextual and how do you, you know, how do you manage all of that? And we'll manage through that and there'll be surprises along the way. But, it, uh, you know, the, the bigger macro shift is towards, you know, real audiences, real brands, real content, real consumer value, and not just, uh, you know, tricks with cookies. Is that a tasty reference? We got to get the, 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 uh, cookie dad jokes uh out of the way because we yeah. won't have we won't have cookies anymore so we won't we, we only have it until uh 2023 i guess and uh to make to make those to come up with your flock pong puns <laughs> <laughs> jonah you've had now a, you know kind of the start of a rash of MA activity at buzzfeed in the past year and it seemed like in today's announcement there were hints that you're looking to do more what are you planning to acquire another company this year and and what types of companies are you looking for you know it was it was hard to to do um HuffPost and complex not being a public company and not having a you know and being being really focused on on cash and bottom line you know uh over the last you know few years and and so I'm really impressed that the team was able to you know work hard and figure out how to get such valuable assets and brands. Um, even though we didn't have a, a public currency or or a, a balance sheet that was you know as strong as 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 we'll have it when we're public, 
Um, so I think it opens up a lot of opportunity to be able to um, evaluate things and more quickly transact on them because we'll have, you know, the cash and and a public stock. Uh, so it, it opens up a lot of a, a lot of opportunity. So, we, you know, we want to have great conversations with inf- inspiring founders and management teams and look for things that could be could be interesting and keep a real open mind about about what might what might work and hopefully we'll have have other exciting things to to share in the future in the near future <laughs> if if only to have a reason to come to a digiday podcast third one in a a year would be great yeah Jonah, you had kind of teased uh, a little bit of potential event strategy um, for BuzzFeed brands, um, potentially integrating Tasty into like ComplexCon, maybe even doing um, uh, a shopping kind of festival for for the BuzzFeed shopping vertical that's uh, you know newer to the to the company. I guess I'm curious how much like Complex Con itself or Complex Land, um, which is a a very interactive virtual event, I'd say, um, how much of that kind of stood out as something that you wanted to maybe bring over to the BuzzFeed side? I mean, I think it's an amazing it, it's a, it's an amazing event, and it's one of the things where people who had no idea that I was even having conversations with Rich and talking about about um, acquiring Complex would say. Man, ComplexCon is so amazing. I don't know how they do it. So many people have tried to do it. Like, you know, um, it, it's just it's just an event that uh, the consumer loves, the attendees love, but also people in the industry are, are blown away by it. Um, so, of course, we're really excited to have it. And if, if you know, as, as part of as part of the the, the company, um, if Tasty wants to be included, they're going to have to you know go pitch the ComplexCon t- team to do something cool enough that they will get accepted uh, into into ComplexCon. And I think that's part of the um, beauty of ComplexCon is that the brands compete to get in there. They they don't just get a slot by paying their way in. They have to actually bring an interesting activation, an interesting product, um, you know, to to to, to get included. Uh, and so we want to keep that that you know level of 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 quality and excitement and innovation for, to ComplexCon and, and expand on it and, and do, do, do more with it. Um, and then I think we'll learn, we'll learn whether, you know, is there ways to take inspiration from that to do, a, to do other events or other things? Um, and, and, and hopefully, um, you know, the, the ability to have more resources and more inspiration will, will lead to good things, allow us to create some other exciting franchises in the future. Let me just say awesome. this. There's, the, there's enough incredible heavy user-oriented communities across the BuzzFeed portfolio of brands to activate from an event perspective, it just won't be a rinse and repeat. If you know one thing about the way we think about anything, and you know one thing the way Jonah and his team think about it, is it's not one size fits all, rinse and repeat. It'll be differentiated. It will have the same level of innovation, but it'll manifest in a very creative way. Thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast today and and talking about this merger and SPACs and all that fun stuff. I know it was a busy day for you guys, but we really appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. We'll be back next week with another episode. 